For anyone who didn't watch last week, we talked about two camps, um, the battle of the TV pan, uh, pundits. We've got these two camps. We've got one camp that says, okay, um, we think that you should not fight the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. Jay Powell, his reputation's at stake. He's going to keep the interest rates up higher and for longer. They keep saying this. All the Fed officials seem aligned when you see them on TV. So that would, in theory, put pressure on the equity markets, but make the dollar stronger. The other camp are the fear of missing out camp, right? The FOMO camp. They think the Fed is going to pivot. They think interest rates have already peaked. We've seen peak inflation and that the central banks might need to cut rates later in the year. So that leads them to think the equity markets have already seen the bottom. So which camp won this week? Probably the FOMO guys, right? Because equity markets did struggle to, to uh, get a little bit higher, but they are higher on the week. So, you know, let's let's see what happens. But those are our two tribes that are kind of fighting each other at the moment. Right. And last week we we, we talked about Euro GBP in case um, Euro recession is the economy better than the UK. And uh, we did trade uh, Euro GBP and we've made some really good profit as well. Now, these cross rates are worth looking at when people are kind of gauging to economic blocks. The euro is a big block. It seems that they're doing slightly better than the UK. So we still think we could try 0.89, the figure again this week. But, but let's see. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to GBP um, effects on GBP as, as the market starts to assess Rishi, like we just said. Five issues he forced uh, on our normal for any prime minister. A new rage for GBP, whereas 1.25, 1.27 is the top. Where is the bomb? Yeah, I mean, earlier, well, last year, we saw that tremendous fall when Liz Truss and uh, Kamikaze Chancellor uh, started to try and change things too rapidly. And, you know, Sterling fell to 104. I mean, that's the lowest I've seen it since I started trading in 1985 when it was down at that level. So it's, it's made a reasonable recovery. Sterling likes to be in a range. So at 125, 127, it seems uncomfortable about going any higher because of the economic background. So now we need to think about where is the low. Last week, we got down into the 119s again and then back above 121 again. So it's kind of trying to beat out that range, really. Probably the range is now 118 and a half, 127, something like that. And how do you think Rishi is handling the crisis of strikes in the UK at the moment? Uh, we've talked earlier about the effects of the World Cup, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, uh, he's got a big job to do. Don't forget, he created half of this because he was no. the chancellor during COVID. So all the problems that were created out of COVID have come back to him now that he's prime minister. Now he's taking a very firm line with the strikers. He wants to bring in new legislation to fix the strikes. But I think he has a really good chance. This is my personal view. I call it the G-Y-O-R, the golden years of Rishi. If he can just get past these strikes and get the economy stabilized, get us through this winter, get past the energy crisis, but as I'm saying this, these are a lot of problems for him to solve, right? So he signed up to say he'll grow the economy, he'll fix the NHS, the National Health Service that we have here in this country that everyone's so proud of. And so he'll fix some of these issues. But every prime minister who comes in has to fix these same issues. 
So is he really going to fix it this time? He could do very well. It's two years, remember, till the next election before he has to go to the nation and, and get voted in again. If he gets through that, he can have a second term for another four years. So we could be in for another six years of Rishi. Wouldn't we love to have a stable government in this country, you know, right. like Singapore, like some of the other countries where they have a long-term economic view and they can do it? We would love that, right? So maybe Rishi, ex-Goldman Sachs, he's got the financial background. Maybe he's the one to deliver G-Y-O-R. Remember, you heard it here first on Tick Markets, the golden years of Rishi. Absolutely. I mean, the UK hasn't had um, a stable government in place since David Cameron. Uh, let's talk about USD chain for China reopening and how is that going to affect the USD? So for China, it's really a case of they've been in lockdown for so long. And obviously the economy has been challenged. The big technology stocks like Alibaba and all these big tech giants over there, Jack Ma, have been kind of pushed out of it by President Xi, who is very well established in a great position. But now they've had to unlock. They've had to let the people go out. There were starting to be protests over there. And people have maybe got some vaccination, but the older guys over there have not been vaccinated. They use more Chinese medicines. So as people go out, the COVID is spreading again. But this is what every nation has been through, right? Everyone's had to learn to live with COVID. We've all had our booster shots in the West. We've had extra shots. That isn't as widely done in, in China yet as it is in the West. So the question is, when people come out and start to buy things again, start ordering things, China starts production again, the supply chain for goods that they make and manufacture in China seems to have been corrected now. People can get things, they can ship things across. And so if the economies are still picking up over there, we are going to start demanding things. So is that going to add a bit more inflation in the West as they start to come out? If China you know, has been in lockdown for so long, people want to travel, right? So they had a massive increase in the number of passport applications. So people are going to start tra traveling again, and that's going to have a, a positive effect on where they travel to. You know, tourism is going to increase in Europe, in the States again. So... Yeah, it's looking good for them to come out. And that's we've already seen that move where the Chinese currency, the RMB, has strengthened by 10% against the dollar. It did a quick catch-up over the last two months. Let's talk about their um, neighbours, Japan. So we saw in the news today, uh, Japan and the US made this deal of exchanging weapons, I believe. Um, let's talk more about USD and recent interest rate uh, rises. mean, GBP could rise as well. Uh, but it fell this week to 1.2750, I believe. Yeah, so, you know, dollar yen's been under pressure. It seems to have topped out now. Earlier in the year, we actually touched 151, which was a massive technical level, apparently. And so the move has really started from there. And the Japanese central bank has been intervening to sell dollars and buy yen, which has pushed it down initially. Then they came out with this first rate rise that they've done for many years. And so the yen has got stronger, the dollar's been pushed down. So all of those factors have really contributed to pushing dollar yen down to 127.50. So, yeah, it's a trend that could continue. Um, the, the Japanese central bank has got a big job to do, like all the central banks have, to you know stop inflation. 
they've got inflation out there the same as we all have. So yeah, we, we see that that may be a continuing trend. All right. What to watch for next week? Discussion on the normalization of U.S. interest rates between 3 to 5% is normal and the economy can live with it. Yeah, I mean, this is the theory that in the past, the U.S. economy has done very well when interest rates were between 3 and 5%. It doesn't have to mean that, you know, interest rates need to be 0.25 like they were in the recession or during COVID. The U.S. economy is strong and it can live with those rates. So although rates are higher, the theory is, and you'll start to see this in the TV conversations, I think, you'll see pundits talking about the normalization of U.S. interest rates. You know, they were at 3 to 5% before. Why can't we still have a, a, a booming economy if rates are 3, 3 3.5%, 4%? There's no reason to say we can't. So... The Fed's got a difficult job. It wants to keep the rates higher and it wants to get inflation down. It could get inflation down maybe to 3 to 4%, but I think they'll be determined to get it down to the 2% target that they have. So that means in that 3 to 5 range, we're probably going to be at the top end of that. We're probably going to be 4 to 5 more often in the next year than we are 3 to 4. But you'll start to see people trading that. And... It leads to range-bound trading because once the interest rates are stabilized in a range, maybe the dollar will stabilize in a range unless there are fresh factors that come out. So, you know, something that could be positive would be the end of the war in Ukraine. Is that in sight? It doesn't look like it. That that war is going to carry on, you know, for the whole of this year probably. Um, so, like yeah, there's still still quite a bit of hangover from that. And do we need to continue to watch EuroGP in case, uh, like what we discussed earlier, Europe recession? I think, I think my, my two favourites for this coming week are still EuroGPP. I still think there's a move to come there. Um, the other one is gold, which has rallied over $100 recently. I mean, it's now at uh, $1,920. If you remember, during the start of the Ukraine war, Everybody went to buy gold as the flight to safety move. So it went up to $2,027, I think, at the very start of the war, and then came all the way back off again. But uh, that's the level to beat, I guess. Um, so still quite far away. We're at 1920. But again, it's an uptrend if you look on the charts. Um, if you look in your Orbix uh, MT4, you'll find a gold chart that you can put up. You can see the trend is, is higher. And remember that gold doesn't have a central bank to stop it. Gold right. is just freely traded by the market, right? There's nobody there to catch it if it falls or to stop it if it goes up. It really is an asset class in itself. And, you know, maybe people are looking this year at their whole portfolio and saying, I'm not ready to buy equities yet. I'll buy gold. I kept my Bitcoin and I'm trading currencies. I'm slightly short dollars waiting to buy equities either on a fear of missing out basis or if it goes down again but gold's an interesting one you know it's sometimes gold is a hedge against inflation and sometimes it just doesn't work it just you know people have said oh bitcoin is the new gold but you know, gold's interesting again so let's keep a watch on it this week I mean, gold is gold and I don't think gold can be replaced by any bitcoin currency so <laughs> Let's talk about the FX range bound. USD weaker as equities rise, short moves from about 40 to 70 bibs, which is 
what our low uh, risk FX strategies look for. Yeah, it's very good for traders, you know, as long as you don't get married to the position, you know, you don't say, right, dollars like going that. down forever. You know, these are short term moves. So you should be thinking it's, you know, it's a night out, but it's not something that you're married to for life, right? So just look for those 40 to 70 point moves if you're trading. And if you've got it, don't try to capture the last 10% of a move that's already happened. So, you know, we had a good move this week in one of our strategies, I think in Aussie Yen. So yeah. we cut it out for what was in the end 90% of the whole move. We didn't right. stay with it for the last 10%. It's kind of like, you know, wringing the last bits out of, of a, a move that's already taken place. We took our profit, we walked away. We're not married to it. Next week, we might be buying Aussie again. Who knows? Absolutely. Um, thank you so much, Tim. We've got some question time now. Every week, we're going to answer questions you guys um, watching have sent us. So we've got a question from Abdurrahman in Kuwait. Why join a managed account FX program with us? Well, this is a great question. Thank you, Abdurrahman. Uh, I hope you're watching. Sometimes we want to invest and foreign exchange is a great asset class to invest in, but maybe we don't have the expertise or we certainly don't have the time. Everybody's time poor, right? You might not have the time to watch the markets all day. So, you know, what can you do? You can take a longer term position, but we're already saying don't get married to a long term position, right? If you want short term trading, the best way is to really open a, an account with a broker. You know, Orbix will open a fantastic FX account for you. You deposit some funds and then you look for a strategy which can be applied to your account. So what does that mean? A strategy is a system or a trader which is going to place trades on your behalf into your account. They don't have any power to move the money in and out, but they can make trading decisions if you allow them to do that. So you sign a power of attorney form with Orbex and then you have those trades applied to your account. So every time that a tick strategy comes up with a good trade like Euro Sterling or Aussie Yen last week, that will be copied into your account and you can watch those positions, but obviously not take part in your account because the strategy is running your account for you. And at the end of the month, you'll be charged something for the performance there but the rest of the profits are yours to draw out. Orbix makes it really easy. They even give you a debit card that you can use to take money out of your account. So, uh, yeah, it's a great setup. Um, so, you know, I, I recommend this to people that maybe uh, want to be in foreign exchange markets, but haven't got time to follow it themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you so much for watching this episode. Please make sure you subscribe. You tune in for next Saturday for more episodes to come. Thank mm -hmm. you.